What legitimizes a majority to have authority over a minority? It's an important question which, if not answered, suggests democracy lacks legitimacy. There are certain conditions which makes a minority's subjection to a majority seem justified. This is so when those who break the law become subject to the justice of the majority and their legal representatives. But these are exceptional and limited cases. Even then, these situations are usually justified because they take place within a democracy. There is only one reason why a minority might be legitimately subjected to the authority of majority rule. When everyone has agreed to live by the outcome of an election then the loser is obliged to live by the terms set by the majority. Which is problematical, because how do we opt out of an election? How does a non-believer in democracy register their refusal to take part in democracy or to live by majority rule? Do we hold an election to decide if we are governed by elections or not? If we hold a referendum to decide if the community will be an anarchy or democracy, do the anarchists abide by the outcome of the election? This is a serious technical and moral problem that has never been resolved. The pragmatics of democracy means the majority always get their way. The majority always has the physical means to ensure the popular position is considered both the legal and moral opinion. In a democracy might makes right and the end justifies the means. Some thinkers have postulated a social contract that we are all obliged to live by. In this thinking, at some time in the past, our ancestors decided we ought to live by rules. Democracy was considered to be a way to reduce conflict. An election settled differences of opinion, rather than a trial by combat. There is some justification for this thinking. But the real reason why the rule of law was instituted was to make democracy work. Unless the ruler must live by the law of the land no one will want to. The people give up their authority only if the ruler agrees to live by the same rules they do. This universalization of the legal system gave the outcome of an election greater legitimacy. Do as I say and not as I do causes resentment, especially when the lawmakers' habits are too divergent from the rules others must live by. The universalization of the legal system helped reduce the impact of the majority on the life of the minority. We all live by the same rules. But then, the millionaire is no more permitted to make his bed on the street than the rich. Some laws applied to all persons are still unfair. In many ways, the resentment of the poor against the rich is caused by the life the rich think is adequate for the poor when it is so unlike the life they live. There is a deep-seated sense that regardless of intrinsic differences, people ought to live the same life. The life of the middle class is seen, in this regard, as epitomizing the moral life. Equality is never about everyone being poor or millionaires. Perhaps the narrative behind the cult of democracy is the belief that, if we elect the popular choice, he or she will push the body politic towards the ideal enshrined in the life of the middle class. However, this idealization of the middle class hides a truth that might be thought of as the elephant in the voting booth. People want equality with those above them and they are usually not too particular how this is achieved. But this is inherently a tacit acceptance of inequality. 
there is no equality in a framework in which one group, the majority or not, can suppress another group or exploit them for political ends. Where do we draw the line? If we as a community are not asking this, we as a community are a tyranny of the majority in which the will of the mob prevails. If we are not asking this individually, we have assumed we know the answer. People who do not ask where we draw the line ought to be set aside. His philosophy, politics, or social narrative is not the result of a reflective mind. The line that we conceive of seems to have different faces. Biblically, it is the line between good and evil. Unreflective persons have turned it into political positions. The line for them is between left and right. The religious have made the line a legal one, between different systems of law. But the line cannot be moved, let alone eradicated. The line stood where it stood at the dawn of time. The line defines the false and fictitious lines. They are all on the wrong side of the line. So, the question remains, as it has always remained, where do you draw the line? In the vernacular we can think of it as the line that divides the freeloader and free rider from the free, that is those who are not reliant on the goodwill and charity of others. Therefore, the line defines a difference in missions. The mission of all good men is to live free, but not in the way evil wishes to live free. Free men wish to live a life that is free, as much as they can, but then must we not ask how to do this? in a system that systematically legitimizes the freeloader and legislatively forces the freeman to subsidize the free rider? The question then comes back to, where do we, as free men, draw the line? But it is vital that Christians appreciate the line has been put where it has, by God, for a reason. The line cannot be eradicated or moved nor successfully hidden, because it has been ordained by God. Even if you wish to claim your religion is the true one and defines the outermost limits of the line, you cannot demonstrate it and you cannot eliminate the line of the good, unless it aligns with what was ordained by God. The political line between right and left has some validity but it is not definitive. This is why the line dividing political parties is as porous as it is. Voters switch parties all the time and some give up alignment and claim they are centrists or independents, though there is no such place, and their alignment with the middle is an illusion. One cannot be unaligned, regarding capital punishment or abortion, for example. Apathy is complicity. Therefore, where do we draw the line? Democracy seems eminently sensible, kind of like atheism. If one cannot make up your mind where the line is, why choose? We can let the force guide us. Like those practicing gender fluidity, we can be conservative today and a Buddhist tomorrow and perhaps an advocate for open borders the day after. Where do you draw the line? Do you draw it to exclude all dogmatism? Do you draw the line at having to commit to anything or anyone? Do you just want to be free of everything but a nice emotional feeling? Do you embrace political policy as if it was the soup du jour? But whatever you do or decide, one inescapable question remains, and you must confront it. Will you pay the cost of your choice, or not? It is a simple question with unimaginable implications. 
Are you a freeman or do you externalize the cost of your choice onto society and future generations? A dependent of another or society is not free regardless of how he or she may try to be. Even if you do not put the question into words. Even if you do not speak it out loud, at some point you ask and answer the question. You draw the line, and you are on one side or the other of it. Where you stand means you asked and answered the question. Because it is really not a question of where you draw the line. Ultimately this is not up to us where the line is drawn. It is indelible. The line is part of the reality we are all in. The real question is which side of the line are you on and what are we going to do about it? Your choice is not without repercussions. You can pretend the question is about politics, religion or economics, if you wish. But the issue is and remains and will always be about moral truth. Each of us is attempting to free ride off of the backs of freemen, or not. Democracy gives you not only the opportunity, but the justification. Do you believe the majority define morality? Does an electoral victory give you the okay to subjugate the poor and scam the wealthy? Is it okay to be a victim and demand restitution if the majority have given their consent or not? But, who does not love a free meal? Democracy is not about two wolves and a lamb voting on what to eat for dinner. Democracy is a casino in which the patrons vote on who will be the house and whose luck will run out. The house always wins. The gambler always loses. But we are the house and the client. Evil always needs an open door. Evil gains entry through a wager. The mythology is not wrong. The stories of people selling their soul is not a myth. Individuals are approached, even as Eve and Sarah were approached, with a deal or wager. One borrows a dollar today and pays a dollar ten tomorrow. In the meantime, one gets one's emotions pacified, at a small future cost. We think evil today can be compensated for with penance tomorrow. That is not how it works, but it is the gambler's gambit. Apocrisy is a religious movement of the apocratic church. The mission of the church is to promote works of faith done in the spirit, to promote apologetic, which is an activity that justifies faith. Our homes are churches, which we call home churches. Our works of faith are done in homes and these form communities of faith, known as apocrats. Apocrats are individuals and that which they exercise dominion over. Apocrats do not believe in personal ownership of capital goods. We build on hallowed ground. We live on hallowed ground. We work on hallowed ground. The community is the apocratic church. Our homes are dedicated to the service of God, and we are accountable to the apocratic church. Accountability in the apocratic church is through the male head. Capital works or businesses are dedicated to doing good works. Our commercial operations are missions devoted to works of faith. Democracy might work in a homogeneous population in which a win means little to the remainder of the population which loses, but in a highly diverse group, a win can mean the difference between life and death. The more diverse the group and the greater the cultural deviation, the more crucial a win is. 
ultimately the only one with the right to rule is the one who foots the bill. This is why the Bible gives man the headship of the house, but also the responsibility to pay the bills. It is why Apocratics puts this same dynamic in play, when we draw the line. We are on the side of the bill-payer, the value-creator. This is where we stand. And so we ask you, where do you draw the line? On which side do you stand?